Mm, okay. Uh oh. Mm mm. Oh. Converting meters Can... tablespoons. Will this happen? What? Hello, hello, Will hello. This work? There. Okay, I can hear something now. I think we finally got it all together. We'll see. <laughs> Never. We got to keep our eyes on this one because. Oh yeah, uh, because there's been a major it's reboot. Something. Something may be amiss. Technical issues. Um. Tissues. Yeah. Wow. This is uh, episode 130. I can't wait until we're at episode 138. Are you ready? We'll do a Misfits song. <laughs> you do sound weird. I kind of do, don't I? And I think it's like me. I th- Wait. Am I? You're in the right side? I'm, I'm in the... Yeah, I, I am... I'm going to give you... Just be careful with that. How's that? Just be careful. Just... It... That a sounds light, better, yeah? A light touch. Welcome to Lyrics to Go, the podcast where we take a deep dive into lyrics that are questionable at best, but have largely dodged public ridicule until now. I'm Mark, and I'm here with Seth. How are you? I got a roof! He does have a roof. I raised the... That I got... It's It's been, uh, what, nine months? Almost it's ten months? It's been nine months since you had a roof. <laughs> been nine months since a hurricane. Yeah. Um, when it showed up and blew it away. Uh, yeah. yeah. And I, it's it's been a little bit of a thing with you, right? Because I, I know to... they were supposed to come out, and then they didn't, and you were prepared, and... And I know, like, now it's easy to forgive because you have a roof. But at the time, it's, you know, it's one of those things where you play in your life and you try and, you know, set aside stuff so, you know, you have time to be there. And then, you know, it's a very, if you don't know, Florida hit by a giant hurricane, the roofing companies and the screen companies and all these different companies have been working diligently um, to take on as many jobs as they can because so much stuff was destroyed. Seth here was up against it with the blue tarp on his roof, and uh, now he's free. I had joined the club. Yeah. So many blue tarps still, Mm -hmm. and now mine is gone, and I have a roof on my home just in time for hurricane season. What happens to that tarp? I I watched it. Do you donate it? Do you donate it? Do I donate? I watched as they rolled it up and threw it in the dumpster with everything else a couple of weeks ago. I mean, I watched on video. I guess they're only good for for so long. Yeah, yeah. They, there's a shelf life on tarps, um, especially when they go and they uh, sit under the beating Florida sun for what seven months, mm-hmm. seven or eight months. It, it's even. Yeah, I mean, a long time and long all time. that rain and you know the Florida sun is a beast. Oh, it is. It's a beast. It's it's the sun in Florida was made to tear your shit up, in more ways than one. It did that. I have that. It's good. I can't. You know, you can't wipe the smile off my face. I've pulled up at my house three times and looked up there and saw no blue mm. and saw the tile or the shingles up there. Very very happy about that. Went out, caught some fish, had a great ha- wait, Mark. Fishing has become another a part of my life again. It was that brings me great joy. Such a huge part growing up, um, and I haven't really done a lot of it. But me and my wife and my daughter have my wife, are, my wife have our fishing joy has been reignited. We rekindled. We bike. We fish. 
There's got to be a third part to that somewhere. Is there anything more? And you eat. Is there anything more Floridian? Biking, fishing. Beaching. Eating, beaching. Yeah. Going to Miami. We went to Miami. We had a great time. It was just, we've had, I've had a really great couple of weeks. It's been very, very good. Like Mark mentioned, there were some trying times uh, in the fact that, you know, we had to wait because of, you know, there's a backlog of roofs that need to be done and there's very few people that need to be, that are doing them. And you have to wait. You got to kind of go downstream with it. But, uh, and I'm going to, I still need more things fixed, but that's it. My life is. My life. My life has been pretty damn good lately. Good. Yeah. Good. And so my life, yours? my life too has been very good. You got um, things coming up. Yeah. I mean, you know, just the general, the general stuff. Yeah. Shows and podcasting and music and you got you know, things coming, whatnot. Yeah. Um, but we're not here today to talk about roofs or Florida. We're not here to talk about your life or my life or my life. Uh, we are here to talk about the hit song by Eve Six, Inside Out, and almost immediate regret <laughs> as soon as I knew we were doing this song. <laughs> And I know why, and you, I haven't even heard you say it, but I already know why. Well, I mean, it's just, uh, some episodes are easier than others. Um, this song this song, and these lyrics, I feel like are just going to be us reading a verse and then going, that's just stupid. <laughs> it's really no like trying to figure out what it is, because I feel like even though the lyrics don't make much sense. You still kind of get a general idea of what it's about. Yeah. You can tell what it's about. Yes. But then when you really start tearing it apart, you just go, well, the, this, these lyrics just mean nothing and they're just dumb. Yes. You're exactly right. So it's 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 very weird. It's almost like pointillism. Where, are you familiar with pointillism? Oh, of course. A Day in the Park, Chicago Institute. It was in... Um, uh, uh, the movie, uh, uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yes. Yeah. They, it's... Where, where, when you stand back, you go, well, obviously the song is about a relationship that's falling apart or in trouble. Or, yeah. And then when you get closer to it, you see a bunch of dots, and those dots are just dumb fucking lines. There's so many lines and so many parts to the song, um, or parts to the lyrics, I, sh- I guess I should say, where I go, this is so close to being clever, or like, this is so close to being maybe good, or it's very, very far from being good. Why did this happen? Why is this song here? Mark, this yeah. is lyrical edging. It kind of is. <laughs> like, it's just about when you think it's going to make sense, it doesn't. And there are specific lines in here that, re- that well, let me first say, I guess, there are lines in this song that I'm still not 100% sure what he says. Because we we, mean we just watched the music video, and they had there was closed captioning on there, and I, I was seeing words coming up, and I know closed captioning on YouTube isn't something that you set your watch by or anything, but words were coming up where I was like, well, I I saw that it was this on you know online on this website, and I saw it was saying that it was this word here just a lot of confusion as to exactly what spelling is supposed to be used for some of these words and what the words are supposed to be in general. So it's just a confusing song right off the bat from there. But there were other lines where I thought I knew what they were and found out that I was wrong and found out that the actual lyrics were worse. Mm. 
and I'll, I'll have to go through them as we get line by line. Well, that's what we're here for. Very yeah. frustrating. Exactly. There's there's one in specific that I that what you're talking about. I I'm I'm pretty sure it's the same one we're thinking of. <laughs> um, but there's one that jumps out at me. But yeah, it's uh, just when you thought I, I, when I first heard it. I think at the end of last episode, I mentioned that me and my wife were sitting in a in a in a cabin in Inverness, Florida, and we're listening, and and uh, it's we heard it, and she said, "Have you paid attention to these lyrics?" And I'm like, "Oh, that's got to go right on the list. Look on the list; it's already there." And I paid more and more attention to them. At first, they just look like a jumbled mess. It's just lines put up there, and 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 it's really kind of there's there's something there's tropes. Throughout the band, the video, the music, the lyrics that just kind of fit into the time that yeah. I had a backlash against throughout the throughout the period. Um, that I don't that I don't that I look back at with a more mature view now and think, oh, I, I don't look at those things that way. I've I've got a more refined view. I tried to really really dig some meaning out of these lyrics, and just like you said, when you first listen to them, oh, it doesn't seem to make sense of anything, and then you kind of grasp at something. By the end of the song, that's gone. Yeah, I feel like there's individual lines or individual things or maybe even just kind of like the feel of the song in general that tips you off as to what the song is about. And there's just there's just enough maybe maybe in like six lines out of the whole song. The chorus happens, mm-hmm. I think, like five times, four or five times. Yeah, it's a lot of choruses. It's a, it's a bunch of chorus. So we're going to be just plowing through those fucking things. But there's just enough lines, there are just enough lines for you to go, okay, this song is about a relationship that is just done and (laughs) something. (laughs) You don't even really know what happens from there. Just basically, this relationship seems like it's done. But then it like delves into the perennial 90s theme of well, self-hatred well you know and it's, yeah, it's and funny that you say that because you know we're dealing with a band that was formed in 1995 in southern california and this band sounds just like a band that was formed in 1995 in southern california <laughs> holy shit and they look like it um we like i said we watched the music video tell me about eve six mark well i will tell you that they originally formed uh their original banding was yaku <laughs> Like Which, the famous Japanese poem. Their <laughs> first two band names were Yaku and Eleventeen. Oh, that God. tells you just about everything you need to know. Which suddenly Eve Six is a great name. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because we usually, uh, I like to take things and elongate the names. So Jersey Mike's I'll refer to as New Jersey Michael's. Jimmy John's I'll call James Jonathan's. And I used to refer to this band as Evening Six. Uh, but <laughs> they really got their name from the X-Files. Uh, an episode called Eve, yeah. and in that episode, there was a character named Eve Six, which, fine, I'll let that yeah, go. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. They they formed... It's hard to name a band. Yes. They put out their first album in 1998. I remember reading somewhere that the singer of the band at the time was 18, something like that, when they were writing this album. James Collins. James Collins. Mm. And... Formed the band... Uh, with another guy named John Siebels. Mm, the guitarist. Yes. Yeah. Three-piece, singer-bassist, uh, which I always like a singer-bassist. Love it. Yeah, me too. Uh, it's a good look. From Tom Araya to Jack Bruce. <laughs> you yeah. gotta love those singer On down the bassists. line, Les yeah. Claypool to oh, yeah. uh, to Neil Peer. Or not, who the hell? Jesus Wait, Christ. Wait, he's a drummer. He is the drummer. Perry. I'm talking about Geddy Lee. Yes. 
Um, so they get together. They had two relatively big hits. One is Here's to the Night, and the other one was Inside Out. Uh, kind of a resurgence in the late 20-teens or early 2020s, maybe around the pandemic, where the singer fired up his Twitter and made a bunch of very weird tweets, kind of calling out a bunch of people, including Stephen Jenkins, uh, the singer of... <laughs> well, Mark, that's not too far out of line No, no, there. no, no, I mean, no. That's, you know... Also calling out the singer of Smash Mouth, uh, but just calling out a bunch of 90s bands and making poking a lot of fun at himself and his band referring to himself as being that guy from the heart in a blender song. Um, <laughs> so he, he definitely, um, you know, I, I think a lot of people from this era and in music in general have a tendency to still see themselves as being way more important than they are. And, you know, no. I, I don't mean that as a, as a dig being a musician myself it's just very easy to think of yourself as it's very easy to be pompous, especially when a bunch of people associate your music with their childhood and stuff. You yeah. know, I'm thinking like Billy Corgan and stuff, Ugh. people that did great stuff. But, you know, it's like also at the same time, take a fucking chill pill. Billy Corgan, the uncle fester of modern rock. <laughs> and, and so much worse. I remember seeing Smashing Pumpkins live and when they did Disarm, I'm sorry. they had all this religious imagery. It was a great concert. I'm they sorry. sounded great. And Jimmy Chamberlain is one of my favorite drummers. Very good drummer. Um, but they had all this religious imagery. and They had like his head mm -hmm. on like this religious imagery, of, like, you know, on like paintings that look like they're supposed to be Jesus. Anyway, uh, it just it was very, very uh, terrible. So anyway, well, I mean, just to address that for a second, sure. I think that. You know, um, having not much self-awareness and putting yourself out there on Twitter, I think that, you know, sometimes can hurt, sometimes help your career. Maybe he's doing it just for his psyche. I don't know. But referring to himself as the guy from the heart in a blender song shows a certain <laughs> level of self-awareness of, you know, where he is exactly. I think his place in the world in reality and in, in, in an objective reality. <clears throat> I can't think of them, of him as kind of anything else than that i hate to say it i'd like to think that he did more i mean with there's so many other people like you mentioned stephen jenkins earlier became known as the asshole uh dexter who we talked about from uh, oh dexter holland, dexter holland dexter holland the yeah, offspring uh is known for doing all that you know research work against aids and and stuff like that we don't know james collins from anything other than hard in a blender mark yeah, kind of it, and I don't think we need to know him from much else. Yeah, it is what it is. You know, he knows what he is, and he knows, uh, you know, he knows their place in life. He knows that he's the guy from the Heart of Blender song, and so it's and that's fine. Yeah, uh, you know, who gives a shit? <laughs> I uh, love this one. Not knowing the difference between Vertical Horizon Dishwalla, Dishwalla Matchbox Twenty at L. Yeah, that was a great. Generic observations about wallet chains, weight gain, and merch with palm trees on it, as well as running a bit about not knowing the difference. Oh, that is great. These yes. are quotes from him. Yeah, it seems like he's a pretty decent guy. I mean, he's got, you know, maybe somebody that I might want to listen to after the fact. I wonder if he's got a podcast. He would be great. It seems I, it like he seems would be like great to have a podcast. He should with. be on a lyrics podcast. We should get in touch. Oh, oh man. Well, mm -hmm. Too late we didn't have him do this. This That would be... Oh, boy, wouldn't that it would be great good. if we could get somebody who wrote the song 
<laughs> on the show. I, I just I've never thought about that. Make them talk about how terrible this long. Ago. Yeah. So this was released in May of 1998, as I mentioned uh, from their self-titled album Eve Six. Uh, we were 16 and 17 years old when we wrote that album, and it sounds like it said singer Max Collins in 2018. I got something to say about that. Go ahead. For that whole record, I was pretty much writing it at this one girl who cheated on me and broke my heart, he said. My muse would have been that relationship and that girl, but not really having the emotional equipment to know how to deal with it. Again, just very, very self-aware. It seems like it, yeah. You know, it sounds, you know we, we wrote it when we were 17, and look... Seth and I were talking about this before. This song is fucking catchy, man. Man, I, when God, you said, "Oh, it's got, a fucking earworm." Uh, I've had to deal. I've had to go through this one. I thought you were going to talk about the fact that you hear this song once and it stuck there for days, dude. You don't even hear it it's, if you know the song. Think of as it. soon as you think, like, because I was thinking of the lyrics and I was like, "I would swallow," my, and like, just immediately the the whole chorus goes through. And it's insane. If did the the question also begs to be raised, getting away from the lyrics, if they were 15, 16, 17 when this was recorded, and who the hell produced them? Because the reason I say that is, Mark, that guitar sound on the especially on the verses is fucking fantastic. It's beautiful. It is yeah. such a good sound. The sound and the mix of this song are done by somebody. I'd love to know who did it. Somebody that knew what the fuck they were doing. Uh, production's really good. The sounds of everything are really good. Um, leaves a little bit on the lyrics and, and, and everything else. And we're obviously going to talk about the video. But, man, the wherewithal of a 16 or 17-year-old to get these fantastic sounds, uh, it's just it, it, it kind of, it's a little bit impressive. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> So the the producer of the album is a guy named Don Gilmore, okay. who has, and this is not me saying that this is the be all end all of being important or whatever, but does not have a Wikipedia page of his own. Wow, there's no link for him, so I don't know what else he's done. I'm not going to Google him because I don't care. I do think that it is very funny. Uh, this record went platinum. Um, there was another song called Leech, mm-hmm. which uh, got some MTV play. <coughs> Um, and <laughs> it does say when I looked for the personnel who uh, was on the album, it says credits adapted from Barnes and Noble. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, funny. well, someone's got a tough job. Number one in alternative airplay in 98 for a long freaking time. Uh, number five on U.S. mainstream rock and number 11 in mainstream top 40, uh, meaning just the regular billboard. That's that's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. It went somewhere. It, it it left a mark. And I'm sure if you were to walk into a crowd of people within 20 years of our age and said, want to put my tender heart in a blender, somebody would be able to say rendezvous when I'm through with you immediately after. It's there. It's in the public consciousness. What I'm trying to say is you've heard this fucking song. Mm-hmm. Reached number 28 in the Billboard Hot 100, number 36 on Canada's RPM top singles chart, number 24 in Iceland. So not sure, um, you know, how well it did in other places, though I will say that uh, it did manage to top the U.S. Billboard Modern Rock Tracks chart three times. So totaling for four weeks at number one in the Modern Rock Tracks, uh, but only hitting number 20 in the Billboard Hot 100. And that's uh, that's about all there is to say about, I think, this song outside of getting into the lyrics. 16 I, and 17 years old when they wrote it. I just I want to I want to step back from that for just a second. Back to that and say if 
He's like, he says, and it sounds like it. Dude, if you sounded like that at 16 and 17, props. There really? were, look, I mean, again, I think that we cannot overstate the fact that the song is very, very catchy. The lyrics are very, very stupid. Um, and that's okay. I mean, this podcast, our 130th episode today, um, this podcast, I think, goes to prove that you don't have to have amazing or um, cohesive or, um, <laughs> frankly, uh, non-racist or non-homophobic or non-sexist views to have a song that millions of people will put to the top of a chart. So I think looking at these lyrics and comparing them to songs about, you know, your significant other being scared of you beating them because they're with another man or raping slaves or whatever the fuck else we've talked to in this song or on this uh, podcast, this is small potatoes. Oh, it's harmless. (laughs) It's, it's, it's dumb. Yeah. But we have dealt with much, much worse. We have dealt with much, much worse. But it ain't fucking Bob Dylan either. It is certainly not. I would swallow my pride. I would choke on the rinds, but the lack thereof would leave me empty inside. Swallow my doubt, turn it inside out. Find nothing but faith in nothing. Want to put my tender heart in a blender. Watch it spin around to a beautiful oblivion rendezvous then i'm through with you it opens with that little chimey marshall jmp sound cling cling yeah it sounds really the guitar sounds good and it's and it's such a it's such a juxtaposition because you're hearing what amounts to the there's there's kind of two two uh stereotypes of the 90s one is the eddie vetter voice Mm-hmm. Okay, one's the other, and the other one is the "I'm just so goddamn pitiful" voice, which this falls, which this is kind of the flagship for. Um, that just pitiful, uh, you know, I'm in pain. You're pitiful. I'm so sad. You're pitiful. <laughs> You're James Blunt. Although James Blunt came along a little bit later, but yeah, um, it just those against each other uh, just makes for a little interesting opening. Now, words. <clears throat> Mark. So the first line here is one of the lines that I was talking about. Yeah. Now, the 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 line that I said when I was when I was going through the lyrics was I would choke on the rinds. Rinds. R-I-N-D-S. Rinds. Mm-hmm. As in the rind of a watermelon. That's immediately what we all think. Now that is where I saw that is the lyric I saw on when one website. On Everybody knows, if you've listened to this podcast, you know, genius is king here. But genius has it listed as rhymes, R-I-M-E-S. That is what they have typed out. Which makes no sense. When we were watching the music video, it came across as rhymes, R-H-Y-M-E-S. So we have three different iterations of what they think that the customer that the customer what they think that the uh singer is saying 
I don't know what it's supposed to be. I don't know that it really matters much, but Rhines to me makes the most sense. It it does. Um, I guess. <laughs> I guess. Um, right from the from the get go, I mean, you can't get much from this song uh, just from the first line. You can't, you know, it, it, you got to wait. You got to go in a couple of lyrics in order to try and, you know, pull something, some sort of meaning out of it. Like I said, we'll just cut to the chase here. Ultimately, there's kind of no meaning. Other Rhyme, than, by the way, says to cover an object with hoarfrost. Okay, is R I M E S? Yeah. Well, you learn something every day here on No Nonsense Trivia. He does not podcast. brush away the frost that rhymes his beard, but I, I think we can all agree that's not that's not what, what his, he was. This sixteen-year-old kid ain't thinking knowing that. No. So we agree on rhymes then. Yeah, I, I, I'm saying rhymes. I'm saying he wrote rhymes because we all can relate and we all know watermelon rhymes. I don't know who eats them other than you know your pet guinea pig, mm-hmm. um, but apparently the singer old Max Collins does. But the lack thereof would leave me empty inside. Um, this begs the question, the lack of what? The lack of his pride? I think so. I think that's his... Okay. Um, all right. So he's been left empty inside. All right. Sad little 90s guy. Uh, swallow my doubt. Turn it inside out. Find nothing but faith in nothing. That might be one of the most annoying lines of the 90s right there, Mark. Find nothing but faith in nothing, if not for the grammatical awfulness of it, just the sound of the double negative, which grinds my fucking gears. It's like trying to do like a country thing. Yeah. Yes, it is. And he does that a couple times where he tries to like be clever. Yeah. And it doesn't. You seem propped up on the tailgate of his truck with a cold beer <laughs> and having faith in nothing. Find nothing but faith in nothing. He, um, uh, at this point, 30 years ago when I heard the song, uh, well, I, I was able to figure out, I was I, I came to the conclusion that he was an asshole in the first line. Now these days, of course, I'm looking into it a little bit more. But by finding nothing in, but, but faith in nothing, I'm, I'm irritated with the guy. Um, still to this day. I just That's wanna, a double negative, Mark. The, the line I would, let me go back a little bit. Cause Please. I, just looking at this. I would swallow my pride. I would choke on the rhymes. the The rhymes of what? Your does your pride have? Is your pride a watermelon? <laughs> what? What? Where, where? Why? This is what I'm talking about. This song is filled with just like these little lines where he thought he could get away with it, and he did. I mean, the song was a hit. I'll never have a hit this big. No one will ever know a song that I've played on. That gets this big, probably. Call me if yeah. you need a drummer. Yeah. But I mean, you know. So who am I? I'm, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a fat dude living in Cape Coral. You know, I'm a simple man. But there are all these little lines where he's like, oh, just slip it in here, and no, no, and people will just sing it, and they won't question what the fuck it means or what's going on with it, and no one, for the most part, I think, really has. And the song has kind of had critical acclaim and. The fans have definitely loved it, but I'm on to you, Mr. Collins. And these things, I want to hold you accountable. I want to say, what the fuck your rhymes wear? What you're saying is that it would have almost made more sense, although it might not have sounded as good for him to say, I would swallow my pride and I'm lacking in rhymes. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, or something about Lee and rhymes. (laughs) Maybe. Uh, I, I, you know, and. Rhymed, I guess, is a closer rhyme with pride than rhyme. 
for hey, what it's worth. I guess. And, you know, we're going back to the, but the lack thereof would leave me empty inside. We said it was the pride, but it possibly, I guess, could be the lack of the rinds. This, or the rinds around I'd the pride. I'd like to point out that. Is the, that all one thing? Are the pride and the rinds, are they, is that all? And you're thinking too hard on this one, Mark. <laughs> I, it, it's, it's, it, it's this is going to be one of those. from underneath those headphones right now. Uh, this, this second line calls out to the theme of the 90s starting in 1991 with Smells Like Team Spirit. Uh, lack thereof would leave me empty inside. Uh, the pitiful yeah. that we encounter in so much of 90s guitar music on display right there in the first two lines of the song. That now these days, you know, we're all, I mean, there was a serious backlash in the late 90s. Yeah. This came out in 95. Um, I, I'm not going to say there's a backlash anymore. It's not that. It's just a general dislike, I think, well, I think that it was we a, have now. It was, you're right. I think it was a backlash that was in large part um, kind of going against the rock gods of the 80s and how 80s hair metal musicians thought so highly of themselves and were seen as gods caused this like punk backlash uh, this punk-esque uh backlash of all these musicians that grew up listening to black flag and kind of you know anti-heroes i don't know if anti-heroes is the way i want to put it but almost you know musicians who are like i am just a person like you know i'm not going to charge you 800 bucks to see us give us 10 bucks and come in and you know our drummers playing on the same floor that you're standing on there is nothing special or unique about me uh, that almost kind of gave way to this, you know, cynicism. And like you said, like, I'm just empty. <laughs> it kind of the the doors. The, yeah, the door swung very far in the other direction. Yeah. Oh, if this is this is like the other. I think we've almost reached the other extreme of the pendulum swing here. Yeah, uh, it's um, if, if he's trying to ground himself, he's doing it in a very, I don't know, jumbled kind of way. And, you know, this guy cannot get enough of swallowing stuff. So now he's swallowing his doubt. Swallow my doubt. Turn it inside out. So we're playing a game of what will he choke on next? <laughs> he's got to talk about swallowing twice in the chorus. Mm -hmm. Swallow my doubt. Turn it inside out. Again, uh, what does that mean? Me. Lost me. Yeah. You are just picking a word that rhymes with doubt and <laughs> sliding it in there. And who's going to be the wiser? I am. I'm going to be the wiser. God, if you were to do the math on this, it could almost make sense. This is what we were talking about earlier. Swallow my doubt. Turn it inside out. If he swallows his doubt, he's you know he's going away from his doubt by turning it inside out, I guess. But find nothing but faith in nothing. Think about this, Mark. That's a double negative. He's found faith in something. Well, yes, I, mean, I, sort I of? don't. I so I don't know that this. I don't think this is a double negative. When I think a double negative, I think, um, I'm not going to be able to think of a good example. It's okay. Um, but you know, a double negative is something that ends up being positive because there are two negatives. So I'm not not going to the store. Uh, is <laughs> I am going to the store, but you know, he's he's being clever here in saying that. I'm not finding faith in anything except for nothingness. Is that what he's saying? I think that's is what that he's what trying to Max say. Nietzsche is I'm, fi I'm finding nothing except for faith in nothing. Which, 
okay. <laughs> like, again, I mean, to me, it's just the tired boo-hoo. In keeping in the theme with the times. It's the thing that you can't stand, which yeah. is the boo-hooing of the white male in the 90s. Oh, oh, we get to that. Oh, I mean, we we're get to getting to her here right now. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think this is Without about, saying exactly that, it's said later on in the This song. man is the Johnny Appleseed of boo-hoo. <laughs> this, he's... There is, you are not left wanting for, for boohoo. Casting his doubts far and wide. <laughs> Casting his doubts, turn him inside out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Want to put my tender heart in a blender? <laughs> Which again is just you're just rhyming tender and blender. So I mean, let's look at this whole last part here. I want to put my tender heart in a blender. Watch it spin around to a beautiful oblivion rendezvous then i'm through with you so he's putting and i don't think that this is literal of course he's not putting taking his heart out and putting in a blender but what the hell is he trying to say here why why is he putting his heart in a blender now the genius annotation for heart in a blender please says the most important lyric ever penned by eve six The brilliant lyricism is often revisited on their public microblog with the artists often referring to this hit piece as the, quote, heart in a blender song. Sometimes they add depth and nuance to this masterpiece of a line. This is a tweet from him. It's just exhausting sometimes to live in a world where banality is packaged as avant-garde like no wonder we're all filled with impotent rage. Makes me want to put my heart in a blender. <laughs> That's a fucking fantastic explanation from him. Mm. I think that's somewhat insightful. However, on the pendulum swing the other way, I don't think I've... You know how we've had some insight from Genius in the last couple of episodes? Well, this is officially the point where Genius settles back into being genius um, mm-hmm. in that I do not think that this is that on its own, the heart in a blender thing is not a masterpiece. It totally is not. And I'm also pissed at genius for introducing me to the word microblog. Uh, I want to <laughs> punch somebody for that. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess at the end, if we're dealing with a relation or an ex relationship rendezvous that I'm through with you, I'm supposing means let me see you one more time and then we'll be done. That's I, I, I think that that's a solid explanation, which I think we've all been there in a relationship before where it's like, look, I know we're done. Just let's do one more quickie. I miss you. Right. And then we'll be good to go. It's, I think our demographic has probably seen that Mark. We haven't even gotten to the verse yet. God, are you ready? Yeah, I guess. So after that complete mess of a chorus, and that's the only time we're really going to go through it because it's the same thing over and over again, we then get the first verse. Mm -hmm. I burn, burn like a wicker cabinet, chalk white and oh so frail. I see our time has gotten stale. Yep. The tick tock of the clock is painful, all seen and logical. I want to tear it off the wall. I hear words in clips and phrases. I think sick like ginger ale. 
My stomach turns and I exhale. There are just loads. There's a lot there to unpack, Mark. I'm just, I cannot say this enough. Go ahead. So many near hits. <laughs> so many little lines. Oh my God, it's so frustrating. God, this song is so frustrating. <laughs> You're saying that that this is this is this song could be uh, maybe I don't know, not three or four, more like six or seven little lyric changes that could turn it into gold. Let me let me change what I said. Not so many near hits, so many far misses. <laughs> I, I can't tell which it is. Because like I said, there are just like lines where it's like, I, I understand what you're trying to say, but what you're saying makes no sense. It's almost like someone speaking English as a third language. It's it's <laughs> like, okay, I understand what you're saying. You bastardized it, but I'm I'm trying to open up my mind to figure what you could be trying to say with what you're saying, knowing that you don't speak English predominantly. <laughs> and so that's fine. So... Let me let me really just open up my possibilities, because when you say something to me, I go, well, Seth is a master of the English language. <laughs> okay, that's... So, Mark, you're saying that this card is this 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 song is begging for a green card. Basically, it is asking to marry you. But if I'm talking to someone, you know, when I was when I was at Auntie Anne's, if someone came up in line and spoke Spanish predominantly and was was like. They'll, they'd come up and say, I'm sorry, I, I, I'd speak very little English. I'd say, okay. And they'd say, like, tomato. And I'd be like, you might mean marinara, mm. you know? Yeah, yeah, As yeah. to where if you came up and said tomato, I'd go, what the fuck are you talking about? You know what I mean? <laughs> so, like, That's genius. That's how I'm going to approach you next time I see you. You realize that. By the way, this also begs the question, did you learn how to say pretzel in Spanish? Um, I don't know if I remember how to say pretzel. I think. Oh my god! What do they say? I have no idea. I think it's just pretzel. I think that's. Probably, I think that's why. It's got to be. It's a pretty universal thing. Yeah, it's like taxi. Yeah, yeah. but I did learn like mustasa means mustard, and okay, yeah. there were a couple of other words. Almendras means almond. I learned. Yeah. I what I always refer to as Auntie Anne's English. As a matter of fact, or uh, it's Auntie Anne's Spanish. As a matter of fact, there was a very funny story when I first started working there. So the way you say cup is basos Basso. and so uh i was i was helping someone once and they said they wanted water they say agua and i was trying to say botella or basos but i accidentally said basos which <laughs> is kiss yes and she was like <laughs> and i was like oh no 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 basos sorry i just in a instead of the e my bad and yes. so it was a little funny uh Funny cute thing. I wish I would have been there for that. That would have been so great. I burn, um, burn like a wicker cabinet. When you think of wicker cabinets. Which we all know <laughs> is the entire reason that wicker cabinets are built. So that you can bring them, so that you purchase them at Pier 1, bring them home, and immediately set them on fire in your front lawn. Weren't they Weren't they recalled for automatically catching on fire in your living room? There was something in the starter. When I think of whenever I think of wicker and, anything, I immediately think of fire. Yes, um, absolutely. And this is where it really loses. It's one of the spots where you're just like, "What the fuck is he talking about?" Completely. So I know what you're saying. You're saying, Mark, Seth, come on, don't be so willfully ignorant. He doesn't mean they just catch on fire. Okay. Is there something, let me ask you this, is there something specific about wicker cabinets and the way they burn? 
I'm I'm leaving that open for someone to answer. I don't think so. Lyrics to go on Discord. I don't think I don't think wicker cabinets. I don't think wicker in general, specifically wicker cabinets, are known for burning any particular way. So I, I don't think I've ever seen one on fire. Yeah, I mean, so it would you know, I'm trying to think of a good example, but it, you know, like when people say, "Oh, that failed like the Ford Edsel." Oh, well, there's... you wouldn't say it fails like Ford. Unless you're like a Chevy guy or whatever, but Ford or Chevy, what's you the heavy difference? You would have to invoke the name Edsel in order for that analogy for to, to have make any meaning. Yeah, because there is one specific car that failed, and that is the Ford Edsel. So, burn like a wicker cabinet. Okay, what is inherently burning about wicker cabinets? Wicker in general, let alone wicker cabinets. Now, maybe there is something about wicker burning. That I don't know. I am aware of the wicker man, and they put him in the giant mm-hmm. wicker thing and set it on fire. Mm-hmm. I, it's not a cabinet. Not that I know of. It did burn. It did burn. Maybe you call that giant he thing could a have cabinet. Said, burn, burn like the wicker man, and you know, wedged in another <laughs> syllable to make it work. At this rate, you may as fucking well. Yeah, that's the first line of the core of the verse. Oh no! First line, actually, that's the first line of the verse. It is. You're right. I'm sorry. I take that back. Chalk white and oh so frail. Well, this. Mark, so I guess they're saying that wicker is chalk white and oh so frail, we, and that's you the and likeness? I both know what he's talking about. This recalls what we were speaking of earlier. Th- this is and him talking about himself. Him talking about himself. This is fifty years from now. There's a chance that if people listen to this song and go over, if there is a a lyrics podcast 50 years from now and they're going over songs from 70 years ago, oh my God, would that not be amazing? Um, (laughs) That's a line that they might go, now let's let's try and figure that out because they don't know what it means. But you and I both know exactly what it means. This is calling out the single greatest stereotype of... North America in the 90s. The frail, pale, white dude. And all the girls say I'm pretty fly for a white guy. That, that's that's what he's doing. That's who he is. Chalk white and oh so frail. He's talking about himself. Well, and again, I mean, I guess, uh, I guess he's saying... At the, at the best, what he's saying is... Burn, burn like a wicker cabinet... What do I mean by that? I mean, chalk white nose so frail. But what does it have to do with burning? I, it, that, Not all wicker cabinets are white. I don't even know if there's like a predominant amount of them that are chalk white and frail. It, and he may be referring to himself saying, I am burning like a wicker cabinet. But that is such a huge stretch and it takes so long to get there. I wasn't in my explanation of what that was about. I was in no way trying to relate it to the first line. Well, I think he, I think is, he is there. I, 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 if there's some sort of connection, there's no way I'm getting it. Well, I, I think that you know it's kind of like one of the setups of like you know, how's your mom like <laughs> a uh, joint? She gets passed around and everybody oh, puts like their lips knob. on her. Yeah, oh. you know, it's like how how am I like like a wicker cabinet? Right. Chalk white, no so frail, like, like kind of like a setup and a, you know, hitting him with a one liner. 
That's what I think about every time I walk into Pier 1, Mark. I walk around and I go, oh, these guys remind me of all the guys in the 90s. Every single piece of furniture in here. Look at that. It's Smashing Pumpkins. Oh, wow. Right over there. Look where they is. See that Nirvana? I want to take that home. Of course, Smashing Pumpkins is not the whitest group on the face of the planet. They did have an Asian American. Jay-Z, huh? Yeah. Um, Still. And then I see our time has gotten stale. Okay. Okay. So this is one of the... So this is in in the pointillism here... This is one of the lines where it goes, oh, okay, I get it. Our, our time has gotten stale. You've, you've taken a step back. You right, mean. right. Yeah, so yeah. here we see, out of all this stuff, one of the lines that makes it very clear this relationship is just about done. It's giving you some sort of glimmer of hope at meaning. Yeah. 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 It's like finding a needle in a haystack. <laughs> <laughs> all the first couple of lines and most of the chorus is all hay. And then you see a little, you'll see a little glimmer. Did you read The Genius? For I see your time has gotten stale. Yeah, no. calling their their time stale is actually a very harsh statement when you think Ooh, about it. Ooh, damn! For something, yeah, I know he's he's really cracking the whip. Mister Collins is uh, for something to go stale is to go from bad to not being used uh, in time, uh, which implies that there was an expiration date on their le- uh, relationship as that they passed. Now it's stale and impossible to enjoy. I guess maybe they could be saying the opposite of love is not hate. It's, it's being stale <laughs> and indifference. The tick tock of the clock is painful, all sane and logical. I want to tear it off the wall. Well, here, I think we're just kind of dealing with more of that 90s uh, angst. Yeah. Angst. 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 Just, oh, I don't like how sane and logical time is. I want to tear it off the wall. Because I'm just so weird and mm. just so different. Look at me. Yeah. Look at me. I'm I'm edgy. I think that I think going in because, you know, when you I graduated in 98. Mm-hmm. So this was high school. Was it? OK. I mean, this was, you know, this was me about to graduate and. There were, you know, a bunch of people that hung out at the bell tower, the freaks. Yes, I remember that. And those freaks were the ones that would like, you know, I think it happened even more in high school after I graduated. But kids that are like in anime that would like growl and bark at people <laughs> just like just be weird. I, I There's something I've always kind of wanted to point out on this show um, that you came from that time. They were freaks. Um, however, I, I have to say, and I'm not trying to be like, oh, I'm, I'm you know, I had. I don't want to sound like an old person saying I had it so much rougher than you did. Uh, you know, I walked six miles in the school in the snow to get to school or whatever. However, I think by ninety seven and ninety eight, Nirvana had already happened. Oh yeah, and, I mean, and there was Kurt uh, Cobain killed himself in ninety four. Exactly, and that. But by my point is, is that by that time, there was a level of acceptance to the fringe. Oh, for sure. That, you're that you're, had taken you're place. absolutely However, right. However. That changeover happened when I was a junior in high school. When I was a freshman, being into punk rock, hardcore music, anything different was fucking dangerous. I believe it. You could get your ass kicked very quickly for yeah. doing or saying or expressing yourself in the wrong way. And, there t- and it took a certain level of balls to step out on the edge, which as a freshman in high school, I did not have. It's, uh, you, by the time Nirvana hit... And all this frailty that we're singing about and these people exposing their hearts to the world happened. It was suddenly much easier to be on the fringes. And I was there with this and with Under the Bridge. Those things suddenly 
they we were somewhat cool you yeah. know and and oh yeah it's definitely been it's been a long i remember kids piercing their eyebrows and almost every and and men piercing their ears and everyone using very derogatory language um the kindest of which was freaks and now every dude has both their ears pierced with giant say. with giant diamonds in it um and so yeah i mean you know it's it's become it's been a long tenuous change from what was in the 80s and the 70s i i mean you even think about all of the um you know gender bending from like mark bolin oh yeah and glam and and roxy music imagine and stuff. the hell those guys went through oh man. jesus christ imagine terrible I, I in 19 at the end of 1989 i pierced uh, i pierced my left ear first and then i took the stud out of the left ear put a ring in it and pierced my right ear uh just standing in front of the mirror and i went to school that week and a guy that is still very well known in Fort Myers that we that I grew up with uh, looked at me in the classroom in front of all the people and said are you a homosexual but not using that word and everybody just kind of freaked out about it whereas five years later they all had both their ears pierced you know it was a completely different thing yeah yeah when my mom wanted me to get my ear pierced when I was a kid and I didn't want to and she offered to um, get to get me a CD, any CD I wanted, if I got my ear pierced. Uh-huh. And when I went to get my ear pierced, um, to show you what the time was like, they said, well, which ear do you want to have pierced? And I said, I don't know. And I said, which one should I get pierced? And he said, well, left is right and right is wrong. Yep. Because having your left ear pierced was the what straight people did. And having your right ear pierced you were Rob was Halford. what gay people did. Yep. <laughs> and this was a dude working at like Walmart yeah. who just told me like openly, if you get your right ear pierced. And I mean, I was like 11, ladies and gentlemen. And this guy was telling me getting my right ear pierced was wrong. This comes as no shock to me. Oh, no, no, yeah. no. Because, yeah. I mean, we lived in the time. Yeah. And I mean, I think anybody over the age of 40, 35, yeah, 35 40 remembers that. Yeah. But... It is a very, very different time now, obviously, which is great. But we're kind of going off on a little bit of a tangent. Um, in any event, so <laughs> we're... Well, we're, we're, I think we're at, I hear words and clips and phrases, mm-hmm. which is a great line. I, I mean, yeah, I really I, like I, that I don't line. know that it really means anything, but it's fine. Yeah. It, I, I mean, it's it's out of the lines that mean nothing, I think I like it the most. I've felt that way many times where, you know, I've, I've been, I've even tried... To actively, not so much now these days, but be paying attention to something when I was younger. And I'd, maybe it was the hormones, maybe it was the times that when you hear and the things around you that you're supposed to be paying attention to, and that sometimes you are, they just are coming through like, you know, in fragments, just a little bit of a word at times. So it's like something in a single line that you can completely relate to. And it's so much better when it's put next to, I think sick. <laughs> I just burped. My stomach is revolting. Is it ginger ale, Mark? I think sick like ginger ale. Now, again, you you get what's tying this together, right? Because people, when they're sick, they say drink ginger ale. But the line itself doesn't mean anything. What the fuck does that mean? I, I, it, it, 
I mean, when you get sick, what's the first thing that came out of your mom's mouth when you were? Well, that's a kid? what I'm saying. With that's what mine, I'm saying. Like it was. I I, I get you I get the ju- connection. Right. I, I get. I get it, well, but it doesn't make sense. This is this is another one. You've taken a step towards the picture. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You're, all of a sudden, it's just you a go, bunch what of dots. What the fuck again. does that mean? They're 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 all pink dots. And, you know, and so I get that. There's pink dots in this area, but you've stepped closer and it makes less sense. Right. Yeah. And you just go, what the fuck is this? Yeah. More hay. Yep. More. Exactly. My stomach turns and I exhale, uh, which I don't know that I, I guess just. Well, this is the same year that Waiting to Exhale came out, Mark. <laughs> this is a, it was written around the same time. And he felt like a, um, a somewhat neglected in a relationship, uh, African-American woman. I guess it's a little bit of glint of the needle. I mean, you can say that. Is it? Okay. Well, I, a little bit. I mean, I, my stomach turns and I exhale just that he's feeling shitty about what's going on and that he feels uneasy about what's going on. A very small glint, very small piece of the needle. Maybe. Then we get the chorus. I would swallow my pride. I would choke on the rinds, but the lack thereof would leave me empty inside. I was all my doubt turned inside out. Find out faith in nothing. Want to put my tender heart in a blender? Watch it spin around to a beautiful Louis and Rodney Blue, and I'm, then I'm through with you. You all right? It's just that's only the second time, man. It's a long fucking chorus. Yeah, and he does it a lot. It is. Yeah. I, it, he does, and I mean, I guess you it get is, it because it's it's catchy. Yeah. Um. So. It is what it is. I mean, when we're hearing it in a song and you're riding, you know, to McDonald's to get an iced tea, you, you can deal with it. But when we're having to go over it here, it's mind-numbing. Yeah, this goes on forever. All right, so here's where we... Um, please, Mark, please do your thing. Yeah, because this is this is going to piss me off. <laughs> SoCal is where my mind states, but it's not my state of mind. I'm not as ugly, sad as you. Or am I origami, folded up and just pretend, demented as the motives in your head? I'm glad at least his verse is shorter. So this is where, like every other 90s thing in the song, we got to do what? Call out to California. Suddenly yeah. he's Dexter or fucking Bradley or maybe even Snoop Oh, well, Dogg. or the most obvious or Tupac or you're missing the biggest one. Please, Mark. Anthony Kiedis. No fucking shit. Fucking Californiaville. Oh. Fucking red hot chili peppers. Zuba Daba Ding Dong. <laughs> it's did he have to fucking do that? To me, Apparently. as a music fan, knowing what we know, this is one of I'm not going to say it's the most. It's one of the most irritating things here. Is what because I didn't relate it at all. Kills me about this line. Before this line, before I knew what the lyrics were, I thought the lyrics were SoCal is where my mind stays, but it's not my state of mind. Now, I don't think that this is the greatest lyric on the face of the planet. (laughs) You're kidding, but it made more sense to me saying like. It, in my mind, I am always in Southern California. That is my home. But I don't necessarily have the mindset of Southern California all the time. Okay. That is what I always perceived the lyric to be. That's what my ears always heard. And that's how it always made sense to me. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then imagine my surprise when I look up the lyrics and the lyric is 
SoCal is where my mind states. But it's not my state of mind. So he's clearly trying to do another clever lyric thing here. We're rocking back and forth in front of the painting here. It's where my mind states, but it's not my state of mind. Well, what do you mean where my mind states? The fuck does that mean? Like. I'm at a loss, Seth. I don't understand at all. SoCal is where my mind states. This has obviously affected you. It has. Because it's imagine it, me you're telling right. you. For imagine many, many me telling years, you it's made sense. It's it's the one thing that could make you could make imagine sense. Imagine me imagine you going, Oh, my friend's going to Maine. I go, Oh, Maine. Where my mind states. You'd go, I'm sorry, what did you just fucking say? And I'd say, Yo, know, Maine. It's it's where my mind states. Just say that say that sentence out loud. For a second I thought that was going to go somewhere else. You could even you could even say you, you make you made sense out of my friends going to Maine and that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you could say, "Oh, Maine? No, I meant Main Street." There's lots of Main Streets. Okay. Get more fucking clear. Yeah. You know, same thing. Uh it, it, I almost thought you were going to go that direction with it. But yeah, you can't, you know, you thought it, for uh, you're right. It's one it's it's one coupling of lines where for many years you'd say, oh, it's somewhat clever. It kind of makes sense to where we read it. We find out what he's actually saying. Right. You lose it. Yeah. It's it. it, it so I saw that there was a genius annotation. I was like, please explain this to me. Oh, it's so lame. What does this it's mean? So and it just says lame. SoCal is slang for Southern California. Genius in all its glory. Thank you. I'm going to downvote it right now, please. I'm going to screenshot it. Get it carved so, in a piece of wood. Someone commented and bed. said, I don't know if it was intended, but I've always been seen SoCal as a double entendre, as it almost sounds exactly like So Callous. Okay. <laughs> Talk about looking deep into it. Yeah. Who was it that we had on that was like, that sounds like a stretch? And I was like, yeah, welcome. Was it Tim or something? I can't I remember. It might have been Adam we had and some... Logan. It might have been, yeah. Maybe. So, yeah, SoCal is where my mind states. But it's not my state of mind. I'm not as ugly, sad as you. Which is just shit. You know, I guess this is the obvious uh, ex who's just being shitty to his ex. Even though he's like rendezvous and then I'm through with you and obviously trying to still be around. But he's like, well, just go ahead and call you ugly. It might be uh, him trying to make sense of the situation by interjecting some anger. I mean, it, it's, it is a lyric that stands out, in my opinion, when listening to the song. I'm not as ugly, sad as you. It's right up there with Tender Heart and a Blender, in my opinion. It's, one, it's, it's a lyric that stands out. So, like I said, maybe he's trying to put some meaning to it, you know. Now, here I will say, I think we have the best line of the song, in my opinion. Okay. Or am I origami? Fold it up and just pretend. Now, I I think, I think it's, cl- I think, uh, I'm immediately eating my words because I think this is dumb because I, I don't know what he, what about him is folded up and just pretend, but I do think I, I, there's something about the origami line and folded up and just pretend I, there's something clever about that to At me, but it's, listen, there could be, it doesn't really relate to the situation. No, it doesn't. Um, 
I do want to mention real quick while you and I, because we've always talked about our love of singing harmony and high harmony. For those of you that and, don't know, we were sitting here, both of me and Mark, listening to the song like we do, watching the video. And when it got to the choruses and the parts we know, we Mark and I were both singing along with it, him doing the high harmony, me trying to do the middle harmony. At one point, we got it right on, right, right in the pocket, right there, pretty. And I just looked over at him and said, <laughs> it's like we've turned it into an Eagles song. And he was spot on. It sounded straight out of fucking Hell Freezes Over. <laughs> it was ridiculous. But uh, the backing vocals in this song are doing some heavy lifting. Uh, I love, love, love the backing harmonies they, they in most of the song. Yeah. They are very, very well done. Do uh, but what I will say is, even if you like this line. I just said they do good. I'm sorry. <laughs> they do good. Uh, or am I origami folded up and just pretend? And then he says, demented as the motives in your head, which when I read that sounds like another caricature that or another character of origami. Like, or am I origami fold up and just pretend and as demented as the motives in your head? Origami's not demented. <laughs> not that I know not of. Not that I know of. You just. I've never heard that. I got to say that you just kind of pay it. The chorus being so catchy, the sound of the guitar being so good, you're just lost in. You kind of overlook this. And at first listen, it sounds like it's got some meaning to it. But when you really dig into it. Man, you just step closer to the painting. Yeah. It just, it hurts. Fold it up and just pretend. I guess you could say that when you are making origami, you're making little animals or little uh, objects that relate to um, you know, the things, you know, whether they be shirts, you know, you made an origami or dollar. Or a crane. Or a crane. Or, or, and those things are pretend, which... Is a little well. That's what insightful. I was saying. Like that's yeah. like that's the clever part of it. Now, and then, but it, I think I think how? the clever thing is origami and fold it up and just pretend. But again, what? Why is he? What does he mean? He is folded up and just pretend. Right. I I guess. And I mean, maybe it, she's played with him. Play, you know, messed with his emotions. Well, he also says, "Or am I origami?" Um, which. You would you would say, I think that I might be this or I'm this, but he, I guess he's comparing it to saying, I'm not as ugly set as you or no, th no, personally there's nothing comparative preceding this in any of the lines. Well, I'm not as ugly set as you. Yeah, I mean not, but not really. I mean, <sighs> but I don't know that folded up and just pretend is like the opposite of or a different thing than i'm not as ugly sad as you i just want to get to that last part relating the folded up and pretend origami to the demented as the motives in your head is it's kind i'm kind of somewhat glad that as because there are bridges but as verses we've kind of ended right there because mm -hmm. that shit's fucking frustrating well, we have the bridge, yeah, I know. which is also frustrating as hell. Are we um, not going to do the chorus? Oh, well, no. Fuck. Are we going to do the chorus again? I mean, I, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Let's just go right to the bridge. Okay. Yeah, yeah. please. He's obviously not going to. I'm not as ugly sad as this songwriter in that he wants you to hear all of the song. I just want to get cut to the chase. We're going to the bridge, Mark. So we get this little Tom beat and we get some like. I don't know if it's like a synth thing or just actual vocals doing this. Ooh. 
Well, I mean, it's definitely some kind of vocal. It I don't know. It. Oh, it is. Oh, definitely. yeah, yes, yes, it is. And then we get the lyrics. I alone am the one you don't know you need. Take heed, feed your ego. Make me blind when your eyes close. Sink when you get close. Tie me to the bedpost. I alone am the one you don't know you need. You don't know you need me. But make me blind when your eyes close. Tie me to the bedpost. I know if you had any hair, you'd be pulling that shit out. I'm right I'm now. seriously just looking at this bridge. Maybe you go attack and I don't, your beard. I don't go even know. Beard. I feel there. I feel like Napoleon in like his his last offensive, just trying oh, looking at Moscow, <laughs> going just oh, it's, going. It's what not the that fuck far do you away? Do? <laughs> it's, 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 I'm almost there. Nope. No, I'm not. Winter sets in. Ugh. Yeah. I almost just want to say the lyrics again and then just not even say anything about it. He he says the same thing a couple times. It's kind of it's sort of there's a couple changes, but it's sort of the same thing twice. I I mean I'm I'm I'm, I'm honestly at a loss. Um it comes at you so fast. Yeah, he does it a does. little bit of a rap thing. It is, yeah. I alone am the one you don't know you need. Take heed. Feed your ego. Let's see what the fuck... What genius has to say about this. She doesn't know that she needs him chasing her. <laughs> it feeds her ego to have him always there where she's feeling down. Although it makes his world when she's there... He is nothing to her. Whenever anyone tries to interject a motive into something, it irritates me. It, no yeah. matter what, you know, uh, assuming that you know what someone needs or assuming that you know the motive of the songwriter, um, especially when they're trying to interject something, is is, is irritating and, and hard to listen to. Um, but it, it's not an uncommon thing to... Uh, for someone that is down to feed off of the pain of others, it's not it's not unheard of, and to say that she is doing this, feeding her ego, while at the same time she doesn't know that she needs him. That man, there's just so much that's confusing about. It's this. not unusual to be obsessed with anyone. Da -da 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 -da. Yeah, I, I guess I I, I guess. From that, a listener, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. I just want to say that right now. <laughs> I just us trying to explain this. It's so fucking hard. Yeah, it's I, so hard. The the I think maybe to put it a little more succinctly, for he is trying to tell her how she's feeling, and that sucks. <laughs> and it almost sounds like he's trying to convince her. I mean, almost to the point of gaslighting. Like, I'm the one that you need that you don't know you need. And especially the way it's the way it's wrapped or whatever. Gaslighting makes more I'm sense. I'm the one you don't know you know and don't know you know you know you need no. <laughs> Feed your ego. <laughs> Suddenly Rob Zombie wrote the song. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it, it, take heed, feed your ego. And we have this back and forth again of like, I'm as, I'm not as ugly, sad as you. 
there's a lot of emotional swaying here. You suck, but I love you. Uh, you don't know you need me, but you need me. So you better get me. But also, am I origami? What the fuck does that mean? You have demented thoughts in your head, but please let me love you. Uh, like, Jesus Christ, you are 17. Every, you are every not time fucking I hear that take heed, it immediately reminds me of the grandfather. I mean, the Scottish father, and so I married an axe murderer. <laughs> take, heed. take heed, paper, new. <laughs> and I will that also say... Tonight he's going to be crying on his huge pillow. <laughs> I will also mention, he says, I like I alone, I'm the only one who will fix this for you, who who will, you know, who's the right person for you. Mm. Says who? Which suddenly he went 2010 on us. I mean, he did, <laughs> yeah, kinda, he got, you know? He got kind of incelly. Yeah. Yeah, he's doing some negging. Uh, sink, so make me blind when your eyes close. Fuck him. What the fuck does that mean? God damn it. And then sink when you get close, tie me to the bedpost. That that might make me blind when your eyes close is just a fucking shit attempt at being clever. Yeah, that's all that is. No, you don't can't read unless it he anyone. can see through her eyes. Unless he's uh, from uh, <laughs> from Game of Thrones. Unless he's talking to a crow Look, or I a got raven. Three eyes. <laughs> uh, yeah, sink when you get close uh, again. The fuck does that mean? Maybe he's trying to tie that into the tie me to the bedpost to keep me from sinking. However, genius says this suggests that he felt like a slave solely there for her pleasure and nothing else. Therefore, he is tied to the. But bedpost. he's saying he wants it. He's I, like he's more. like conf- he's like asking her to do it. I'm done. I'm done trying to get some sort of fucking meaning from this shit. Man. I alone am the one you don't know you need. You don't know you need me. So there that's we get a little bit of uh, a little bit of Anthony Kiedis. Just kind of repeating himself for the sake of filling stuff, filling up some time. Make me blind when your eyes close. Tie me to the bed post. Flabadabble. And then he, <laughs> then he holds that, and then we get another chorus. I would swallow my pride. I would choke on the rinds, but the lack thereof would leave me empty inside. Swallow my doubt. Turn it inside out. Find nothing but faith in nothing. Want to put your tender, or put my tender heart in the blender. Watch spin around to a beautiful oblivion. Rendezvous. Then I'm through. Now I'm through with you. Da 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 da. 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 through with you. And then does more. Da 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 da. Da 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 da. Da 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 da. Da 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 da. Black a doo Black a doo Black a doo Boom. Rendezvous. Then I'm through with you. Jazz hands. I'm so, <laughs> we have we have to do this, Mark. We have to do this, but God, we just sucked all the joy right out of that song. If there was any, I mean, well, four he choruses, did it. four choruses, four choruses comes in with a chorus. Which look, if yeah, we've talked about it before, I know this isn't a songwriting podcast, but Seth and I have both been musicians it, it for is. a long time. And look, I mean. The Beatles were one of the principal start right in with the chorus bands. Mm. And I, I love the idea of coming right in with a chorus. Nothing wrong with that at all. No. Clever. Uh, well done. But four choruses, uh, you know, I get like I said, who the fuck do I know? My songs don't have platinum status. We wouldn't have hated this song as much if we didn't do this podcast, Mark. Well, that's probably true. Yeah. yeah. I mean. um, well, let's uh, let's get to it. Creep Factor. It's very low, Mark. 
It's very, okay. very low. Can you can you start us off? Start us off. Let's go with you. Well, I did mention that there's definitely some manipulation kind of things going on, I feel like. It's not a zero. It's not a nine. It's not even a six. Um, but there's definitely some weird stuff going on. Um, seems to be some mixed messages uh, and things like that. I'm going to give it a 3.3. In the midst of all the self-hate, you know, and, and the doubts, um, he also, from what we can gather, uh, is interjecting it, you know, onto other people, assuming that he knows um, what's good for them. I am, I, I alone am the one you don't know you need. Take heed, feed your ego, you know, telling, you know, putting his ideas into in what I think is maybe, you know, as much as you can get from this song into other people's heads, assuming that he knows what's best for them uh, on a couple of occasions, which is uh, problematic, mm-hmm. demented as the motives in your head. This guy assumes that he knows um, a lot about this person when he is speaking of someone other than himself. But is it devastatingly bad? You mentioned aspects of gaslighting. I think gaslighting has more context to it when it's supposed to work. I don't think he necessarily succeeded in his manipulation. I think that this, more than anything, is just a call to the frail white boy of the 90s. And yeah. that's pretty much that's as much as we can get at it. Like you said, it's not a one. Definitely ain't a nine. I'm gonna go right uh, right there with you and and say a, a three point one. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Um, guys, we've gotten uh, Seth has been a good boy. I have. You've been a good boy. I don't think I'm bad. <laughs> I'm bad boy. No, you're I'm a so good boy. Bad. Good Seth. Uh, Seth has gone and updated some of our song lists. With some uh, some listeners suggested oh, yeah. um, things, um, so thank you for that. Yeah, uh, there is one song in particular that I heard the other day, and you and I have had this guy on our radar for a long time. We had an idea of a song we wanted to do from him, but I don't think it ever How's really it panned out. Um, and I think when we do this song, we can talk about another song from the same singer. That we were originally talking about, but I don't know that we did it because I don't know if it was a single. So this, you know, we'll be able to touch a little bit on another song by Eric Carmen. We're going to do Hungry Eyes. Oh, God. Jesus Christ. Um, for no, our next no, one. This is, this is kind of, Mark, you, you're, you're crossing a line here. This is kind of a big deal. <laughs> oh, okay. This is because since we started, and it's been years now. Yes. There's two things that have been brought up ad nauseum to me. Well, uh, uh, every breath you take is always the one that that everyone always said. When I described it to them, they'd say, you mean like every breath you take. For the music nerd, it was always one of two, and it was split. One being myriad Eric Carmen songs, Mm -hmm. and all of them relating back to a album cover, which, although it has nothing to do with the song, you're going to see should you... Click on this podcast in your podcast uh, app. Yes. Um, and that's going to come up. And the other one being Benny Mardonez. Um, uh, that's that's the second one. But Eric Carmen is so problematic in so many fucking ways. And we're going to go over this. And since the beginning of this podcast, it's been brought up. It's It's been some... 
something that I've wanted to cover. And I think one of the most, at the same time, stomach-churning and entertaining artists that that we that we've that 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 I think we've we've been on the show. I don't think you even recognize how big and how how special this episode is going to be, especially to me. Uh, it's well, it's and that, big. Yeah, I mean, I know that we talked about doing tonight's the night mm-hmm. for a long time. Yes, that's another one. Um, is it tonight's the night? Is that the name of the song? No, 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 uh, no. Uh, uh, the Eric Carmen song. Yeah, tonight no, your mind. It's, uh, Hungry eyes. No, 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 no. But the original one that you wanted to do. Oh, oh. So originally we talked about doing. T- I'm sorry. Tonight your mind. Not a so, single. That's yes. what you were talking. Right, about. Right, right, right. Yeah. So yeah. we we were going to do that. You you had a hard on for doing this Eric Carmen song, oh. but we just couldn't couldn't really make it work and we kind of had it sitting it's still at the top of the list one of the first like seven songs on the list yeah um there's that, so much to talk about with eric carmen though yeah oh yeah 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 so, really so that's what i'm saying is shitty. this is kind of a way for us to talk about that song without doing it uh we will definitely talk about tonight your mind yeah but the main song we'll be talking about is from the soundtrack of dirty dancing hungry eyes so yeah make sure before next monday uh episode 131 you listen to hungry eyes and i'll be honest with you uh it's a jam man it, it's a good guy, fucking song dude god it's so good the guy can write a fucking hook man yep for yeah. sure for sure so go ahead and listen to that seth anything you want to plug or say before we uh get going i want to thank every single listener that we have out there especially the ones that have been sending emails to us and i've gotten a couple of them recently and thank you so much for those emails i very very much appreciate it go out there and tell your friends about us it's the single best way that you can promote any artistic endeavor. Please tell your friends. Uh, hopefully, they'll get a kick out of two dudes in Cape Coral talking about lyrics. Mark? Number 204 in Denmark. Number 89 in Nigeria, down two spots. Yeah, we're jumping up and down all over those countries. I'll uh, take as it. As far as the charts go, yeah. God, what I wouldn't do to go to Nigeria and do a live episode. Totally. Totally. What a fucking weird thing. We've got a new dream that we're going to realize on this episode to get someone that wrote a song in here. That would be great. I, I never thought of that until today. And we're hitting now. Um, you know, I think we we must have missed it because um, a hundred episode 104 would have been two years. But maybe it's time to think about doing a live episode as well. Oh, my God. Who knows? That would be shocking. It would be I would have to figure out how the hell to do it. Yeah. But uh but we'll see about it. Yeah, we'll see. Being a possibility. And thank you, dear listener, for listening to uh, another episode of uh, this podcast that we love to do uh, and that we love so well. Please come back next Monday. Tell two friends uh, for the Hungry Eyes episode of Lyrics to Go. Thanks a lot for listening. Our theme song was done by Exploding Pages. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for songs or lyrics, you can send them to lyrics2gopod at gmail.com. We'll be back here next week. <laughs> <laughs>